Out of the ashes you will rise. If you feel sad, lost, depressed, finances are in the gutter, social life, you're lonely. Out of the ashes you will rise. Here in my garage, invest in yourself. Always be curious. Don't be a cynic. Sleeping on a couch in a mobile home with only $47 in my bank account. When everything's burnt to the ground, when you're sad, lost, and depressed, and everything's at rock bottom, you get to rebuild the exact and precise way you want the damn thing rebuilt. Health, wealth, love, happiness, each of these four goals. In case you missed the last episode, make sure you go back and check it out. Here's what went down. So I think one of the takeaways from honoring Martin Luther King Jr. today is to think how can we be visionaries in some area of our life. Coming up today, entrepreneurs can save the world, have saved the world in the past, probably will continue to do so, and probably will do it at an accelerated rate, and are just doing it right now under our noses every single day. In the modern world, it doesn't matter that you're a 130-year-old brand anymore. People will pass you by. Welcome to today's podcast. I got a lot of stuff I want to cover here. I'm uh, streaming to you from Oslo, Norway. I'm at my Oslo headquarters uh, in the beautiful Shuvholmen area, if you've ever been here. I want to talk about four things. Uh, the United States presidential inauguration. This is, this is fascinating, especially watching while I'm out of the country. I want to talk about Ringling Brothers for you entrepreneurs listening. They're now closing after 146 years in business. What's the lesson there? What can we learn? Talk for a second about SNL. Alec Baldwin and Donald Trump have this little feud going. From Donald Trump's perspective, you know, Alec Baldwin is a hater, and I've been doing a lot of testing. If you've been watching my Twitter, I've been doing all kinds of crazy testing, roasting my haters and share with you some of the results that I've had so far. I think you'll find them interesting. Uh, And then last but not least, let's talk about, uh, well, let's talk about another debate. But I want to jump right in by saying the interesting thing about Donald Trump to me as I've traveled the world recently, and I noticed this even years ago when I was traveling to New Zealand when Uh, Bill Clinton was the president, you know, there's two perspectives you have to have on who should be president, in my opinion. So if if you're an American, I think you got to look at it from two different sides of the coin. The first being, how should we Americans perceive our president? and, And how do you factor that into who you support and who you vote for? But you should not ignore the world. We live in a global interconnected economy. Basically, it's one big economy now. And so when you're voting, and I'm not saying obviously this this election is over, but just in a general consciousness, I think that the president is the ambassador for the United States. You know, the president isn't a monarch. He's not a king. He doesn't have unlimited rules. So what does the president really do? There's certain things he has special powers, you know, over war, veto, and so on. 
but on a day-to-day basis, it's really the face of the country. So in Europe, for the most part, as far as I could tell from traveling and talking to people, Donald Trump is not the most loved. Obama was loved. Uh, Hillary, people I feel like were on the fence on. Bill Clinton was loved. George Bush was not, you know, the... Now, I'd say, obviously, for an American, you could take that with a grain of salt because they're not Americans. And Europe specifically tends to be much more socialistic in its outlook. So a lot of Europeans like Bernie Sanders. So, like I said, I don't think it's enough that you should change who you vote for. But I do think that it's often overlooked that it's not wise in the modern world to piss off the whole world. The interesting interesting thing about Donald Trump is that he has this whole thing going with Putin. So, you know, Donald Trump is he's hard to pin down because is he an isolationist, not caring about other countries? Well, he wants to put up a wall, he says, between the Me- Mexico and the United States, but on the flip side, he's opened up relationships with Russia, which I read a book, I can't remember the name a few years ago, about how Russia potentially is the biggest potential conflict source for the United States. Even more people talk about China and people talk, you know, about the Middle East. But Russia has been aggressive in the past, has been aggressive in the present, has nuclear power uh, and capabilities, probably old warheads, God knows where. So I think it can't be bad to have some sort of relationship with Russia that's healthy. So it, like I said, Donald Trump's very interesting to me from this standpoint of, you know, this ambassador that you <laughs> for the United States, but you can't put your finger on him. And maybe that's what he wants. Joel Salatin, my first mentor, used to say, he used to call people, dumb as a fox, meaning they appear to be dumb, but then when you observe, they're a little more complicated, a little more sly, a little more slick. So whether you love them or hate them, sometimes to me, Donald Trump is smart as a fox. Now, Ringling Brothers, let's talk for, let's talk about entrepreneurialism. I was reading an interesting statistic today. In the United States, since 1993, and I think this was from like 1993 to 2012, small businesses started by entrepreneurs primarily uh, are responsible for over 60% of all new jobs created. So one of the things when you talk about Donald Trump and you talk about politics, shouldn't forget that it's not just the government that creates jobs. It's not just, you know, New Deal uh, uh, post-depression job creation that really counts. It's small business owners starting these businesses that have been responsible for the majority of new jobs. So a lot of people are like, oh, the president's going to fix the new job thing. No, entrepreneurs can save the world, have saved the world in the past, probably will continue to do so, and probably will do it at an accelerated rate and are just doing it right now under our noses every single day. You know, I, if you saw my Instagram today, I posted a tweet with where I had taken uh, yesterday. I took 23 
of my employees. I flew them out from my office in uh, Hollywood, California, flew them here to Norway, and we all took a little day trip on Sunday, went up to a place called Lilyhammer, Norway. Lilyhammer, you may have seen the Netflix original series called Lilyhammer about a mafia guy who escapes and lives in, in Norway. But Lilyhammer is also known for the 1994 Winter Olympics. But I, was, I took my uh, staff there just as kind of a fun team building thing. And I like to, I wanted to go there myself and I like to take people with me so I can get work done at the same time. And I posted a meme that said on my Instagram that said, um, somebody asked me, Ty, what's your job? And I said, I don't have a job. I'm an entrepreneur. I create jobs. So as I was saying, it's not just me spouting off rhetoric. The statistics are there. Small businesses, and they define, I think, small businesses as companies from 20 to 500 employees. They are responsible for the majority of jobs in the United States. And when you look at new job creation, um, they're responsible for just a massive amount of it. You know, when you take out long-running employment. So it's interesting. It was based on an interesting study from a university. They also, it's as I was reading that article, it's a job creation and job destruction. So you also got to look at the statistics who destroys the most jobs, meaning lays people off. And that is one problem of entrepreneurs, to play devil's advocate. Entrepreneurs are creating jobs, but they also destroy them, not on purpose, but a lot of small businesses fail and go under. Which brings me to the next point of news that I want to talk about. So Ringling Brothers, I think it's the longest running circus, 130 plus years, is now officially shuttering its doors. On the same note, American Apparel, which I really wanted to try to buy, uh, just didn't have the time and, and wasn't able to get it together. But they were purchased, American Apparel was just purchased They've been in bankruptcy court, I think, twice. It's finally finalized. They were sold to a Canadian company, Bottom, for $60 million. But the interesting move, the Canadian company shut all 200 stores. I'm not sure they told the bankruptcy court they were going to do that. But once they got control, closed it. So you see all in the news now, American Apparel, which was a massive brand. Talking about job destruction. Talking about Ringling Brothers closing its door. American Apparel, I think, was doing at one point almost $900 million in revenue. I think it had shrunk down to $600 million. Uh, but there's job destruction. Every single person's laid off because it was a, it was American Apparel was an America-only brand, uh, all manufactured. It, it was the largest, I believe. Uh, it had the, employed the largest amount of sewers, people who made the clothing, something like 3,000 people so have been laid off. So, you know, it's a sad day for people, but this is the process that happens with entrepreneurs, specifically entrepreneurs that don't stay on the cutting edge. And that's what I'm going to say. If you're an entrepreneur listening or thinking of starting your own business, you always got to stay on the cutting edge. When you look at Ringling Brothers, and I haven't analyzed their full business case, but if you look at Ringling Brothers, they clearly didn't keep up with the times. The reason I can say that is... I don't remember ever seeing anything interesting on social media. I don't remember seeing any Instagram ever. You know, I didn't remember seeing YouTube videos going viral. And they could have. I mean, it's a circus for God's sake. You could have had the most fascinating social media, the highest Vrin score posts. Uh, but 
you know, they let, they tried to rest on their laurels. They either got cocky, got lackadaisical, got discombobulated, didn't have good leadership. Something went wrong. And in the modern world, it doesn't matter that you're a 130-year-old brand anymore. People will pass you by. It doesn't matter that you're American Apparel and you had $900 million revenue. They'll pass you by. And so I think it's extremely critical that all of us, entrepreneur or not, this applies whether you're an employee. Because if you're an employee, you can still get laid off. You know? So do you really want to get laid off? No. Then stay up. Continually be committed to lifelong learning. Just like Charlie Munger says, the things you know today aren't going to get you very far tomorrow. You have to be continually filling up your brain. And, uh, and, and that's interesting. You know, you see this. Another example of this was Kodak. 2012 goes out of business, bankrupt, 100-year-plus business, replaced by Instagram, which was like a three-year-old business, started by a handful of, of, of young kids takes down this monster. So it's a very fascinating times we live in. Nothing's guaranteed except this. The more you learn, the more you earn. That's my favorite Warren Buffett thing. So, you know, I feel bad for Ringling Brothers. I feel bad for American Apparel. But this process of job creation and job destruction is here to stay. I doubt it'll ever go away. And if you try to regulate it away, which is interesting here in Norway... I'm forming a company in Norway. I'm working on that now. And it's interesting. In Norway, it's such a socialized and highly regulated country that you can't fire anybody immediately. They, even when you fire them, they get to work for you for three more months, which is relatively insane because how awkward would that be? You fire somebody and then you got to sit, you got to bring them in the office for 90 more days. Jeez. So that's something I'm learning to deal with. I mean, I'm not moving all my company to Norway. I'm just opening a small satellite branch here. The real answer, though, whether you're Norway or the United States, is thriving companies. Because without a thriving company, you're going to be laying people off, whether it takes a day to, to, to let them go or three months, you know, severance. And so what went wrong in American Apparel? I mean, I don't, I'm not a complete expert on it. I've looked into it. I got somewhat of an inside track. I would say, you know, number one thing, and I know a little more about American Apparel than I do the circus. I would say, number one, their marketing went from edgy to too mainstream. Ryan Holiday, you might have heard me interview him, really smart guy, wrote uh, The Obstacle is the Way, The Ego is the Enemy, some interesting books on stoicism. And, and he was their original head of marketing. And once he moved on, they tried to improve on what he did, stop being edgy, and boom. You know, it was gone. And I think the circus at some level, I mean, I don't know if it's a process of just the time circuses got out of date, animal rights kicked in. I know they did have some problems with with uh, having to stop the elephant show because people felt it was inhumane. But Joel Selton used to tell me, Todd, cream always rises to the top. If you continue to innovate, there was, I'm sure, a way that Ringling Brothers could have continued to thrive. It might have been a completely different, you know, product. You see examples of this where businesses change their whole core business in order to survive. Some don't, and they have job destruction. 
and some do, and they last. There's plenty of examples in business. I mean, look at GE. At one point, it's the largest company in the world. Go back, it's the only company that's still around that was on the original Dow Jones Industrial average from the 1800s. Why did they thrive? Well, one of the things is they weren't afraid to expand, use the GE brand. You know, a lot of people think of GE as light bulbs, but GE makes aircraft engines, GE makes refrigerators, GE lends money, GE capital. And so maybe Ringling Brothers had to expand, build off the name into other revenue sources. Like I said, when you're creative, there's always a way to thrive. But you let yourself get stale, you stop learning, you stop being hungry, boy, this market will tear you up because there's no safety in brands. Brands are helpful. Like if you own McDonald's or you own, you know, Coca-Cola or Disney. But I'll tell you this, if Disney makes a bad movie, no one's going to be like, oh, let's all go see it again just because it's Disney. Those days are over. That was the Leave it to Beaver 1950s. If McDonald's comes out with a crappy, you know, horrible tasting burger, look what happened with Chipotle. At one point, they owned Chipotle. I think they sold it back. But when Chipotle had that whole scare where they had food that was contaminated, there was no brand loyalty. <laughs> that was out the door. They're, they're fighting to recover. Like I said, brands help you only on the positive. Once the negative crap hits the fan, brands are no protection. That's why I said you must continually be innovating, continually staying at uh, and not settling for status quo. Okay, next thing, moving on here, kind of leads me naturally to SNL, Saturday Night Live, Alec Baldwin, Donald Trump. The interesting thing about Donald Trump is he responds to his haters. Whether it's Alec Baldwin making fun of him on Saturday Night Live and Donald Trump always writes something like, Lousy show, not funny, should get off the air. <laughs> Donald Trump's tweets crack me up sometimes. Just, uh, I guess just to say president-elect. Got this inauguration coming up. Um, so I've always had mixed feelings on responding to haters. If you look at my Twitter, I had posted a survey. and I'll read you the survey results. I just asked people, I said, should I respond to my haters by... Uh, replying seriously, ignoring them, roasting them, or all of the above. And here's the the results if you want to know. Replying seriously is 10% of people. And 54, sorry, 5,544 people voted. So a decent amount of people voted from 92 countries, statistically significant somewhat, I would guess. So seriously replying got 10% vote. Roasting them got 24%. Ignoring them got 29%. And all of the above got 37%, meaning doing a little bit of all three, which is fascinating because that was my suggestion. I think you should sprinkle it up a little bit. Sometimes you should reply seriously. Sometimes you should make fun of people. And sometimes you should ignore so roasting, ignoring. Now, I'm not saying this survey is gospel truth, but I think Donald Trump, what he, what I learned from him is that there's definitely a time to respond back because I tended to always be on the side of ignoring or just being above it. But I realized, hey, sometimes you stand up to a bully. Hey, sometimes you fight fire with fire. 
Hey, sometimes someone lies about you, you got to set the record straight. And anyone who tells you there's a one-stop-fits-all approach that's always the correct way, to me, is oversimplifying a world that's not always black and white. Sometimes it's gray. So you got a family member that's talking crap about you, spreading lies. You know, you could take the high ground and just completely ignore it, but... Some of the times, you got to have the wisdom to go, enough is enough, and now is enough, and let's go talk about it, you know? So I think that one of the things humans struggle with is answers that aren't always black and white. You know, we become, most humans are very childish. They want to know, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Well, sometimes it's not that clear. They want to know, what's always the right answer? I get that question a lot of business. What's the best piece of business advice? What's the best book? They want a black and white answer, but the answer is, well, the best book for you to read depends what industry you're in. If you're a psychologist, probably the best book to read is different than if you're an entrepreneur. And it's probably, if you are, you know, eight years old, probably a different book than if you're 75 years old. So I think that uh, situational answers are what we humans struggle with hearing. But in this case of the survey, sometimes people make fun of Donald Trump because he answers back. And I think sometimes he's probably taking the right course of action. Now, if you study psychology and what's called game theory, game theory is the study of how humans, the best possible behavioral pattern. And there's one of my favorite books of all time, The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. He talks about this in one of the chapters They've tested on computer simulations. What's your best response to people who make fun of you, treat you badly, or treat you well? And the result after millions of computer simulations was a strategy called tit for tat, which means basically this. Start out nice with every stranger you meet, everyone you know, and then reciprocate back to them exactly how they treat you. So, for example, you're at a party. You walk up to somebody. You go, hey. You start out nice. Now, if they turn around and go, F you, then so they're acting negative to you, towards you sometimes, or in this case, the computer simulation said the best behavior is to reciprocate back in the same way. So be like, no, F you. Now, I know there's a whole school of thought about turning the other cheek, like the Bible teaches. I'm just telling you what game theorists and Nobel Prize winners have found. There's certain exceptions to this, like if you're in a prison situation, prison where everybody is negative, then you can start out negative because if you start out positive in that environment, you get taken advantage of. But it's a very, you know, they call it hawks and doves theory. There's different scientific theories on it. But I think Donald Trump has illustrated the point that sometimes you do have to fight fire with fire. Not that you want to get all your life advice from Donald Trump. I, I just, facts are facts. One of my favorite sayings now is everyone's entitled to opinions, but not facts. And one thing, whether you're Republican, Democrat, European, socialist, communist, capitalist, we have to agree Donald Trump's social media campaigns were very effective. Very effective. Now, you might question why, but this leads me to the next point. I was talking about being ahead of the game. One of the things you must do to be ahead of the game is understand social media. Mark my words, I don't care what age you are. Whatever you think the importance of social media is, even if you are pretty sure that social media is important, multiply it times 10, and that's how important it's going to be in the future.
that's one of the things, you know, I've been posting on my Twitter all these success stories of people who got into this social media marketing test group. I opened up a test group a few months ago. I let a certain amount of people in. I showed them how to get small businesses to pay them one to $10,000 a month. And, uh, and the results have been insane. I'm not even promoting it right now. I know some people will be suspicious and think I am, but depending on when you're listening to this, I only open it up once in a while. So a lot of t- if you go to my website right now and click the social media tab, odds are it's going to be closed and you can join the wait list. That's what I said. So I'm not even trying to sell you. What I'm saying is the reason there's so many success stories is because small businesses, when you approach them, 99% of businesses are horrible. Even big ones like Nasty Gal. Was their marketing that good? You know, I haven't looked at Nasty Gal, but they're also bankrupt. American Apparel. You know, they should have been dominating. I looked at their Instagram. I looked at their social media. It should have had 100 times the engagements. Basically, was one of the biggest, most recognizable brands in the world. How did their social media not have 500,000 likes a post? It didn't. It, you know, they don't. And same with Ringling Brothers. God knows. Do these guys even have social media? So somebody, you listen to this podcast, I was training people. It's a four-month program. I've been showing people how to walk into these businesses and say, I'll fix it for you. I'll do it for you. Chill out. You know, people are freaking out because they can't get enough customers. And they don't want to be the next Ringling Brothers. So it's a fascinating opportunity. I'll talk about it on some other on another one of my podcasts. But I just wanted to mention that one of the things I've learned through social media is you can test behavioral patterns. You know, in the past, all these PhDs, game theory, had to use computer simulations. So after I did that survey, I just took about two days. If you've seen my Twitter and Facebook recently, I've just been roasting people. By roasting, I mean basically making fun of their stupidity. And a lot of people, like 99% of people, it's so funny, people are like, this is the greatest thing on the internet. My Twitter skyrocketed. People loved watching it. I would reply smart ass and kind of funny. I, I got this idea from Wendy's. I saw a campaign. Wendy's been replying to their haters. It was like really funny. People are like, go to McDonald's. They'll just like, why don't you delete your Twitter account? Like completely opposite conventional wisdom of how businesses should do. But they tested, which is fascinating. So I decided I'd test it. And I've been blasting people on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and some 90% of people follow me, love it. About 10% are like, oh, it's too much. The interesting thing, haters have dropped way off. So again, it's just common sense. Sometimes you stand up to a bully and it works. When I was, uh, I went to high school and junior high in Raleigh, North Carolina. I went to a school called Enlo. was in the middle of the inner city and kind of a rough school. It, it, it was pretty, you know, low income and, and um I remember, the, I think it was the first year, my freshman year there, I didn't know many people. And there was these two bullies, I forget their name, it was John, they were literally identical twins. And they, were, they weren't they were huge, but they were, you know, normal sized kids. And they used to like pick on everyone on the bus. They would go one by one down the chair. I forget, I don't remember the, it all, the details. But I remember they finally picked on me and I got mad and I threw them into each other. They were so surprised they didn't fight back and I punched them like 20 times till the bus driver came. And I turned out I was like the hero of school. It made me popular instantly before I played basketball and made the basketball team. But they never messed with me again. And I don't think they ever messed with anybody else again. 
So sometimes standing up to haters not only stops the attacks on you, but it makes them think twice about hurting other people who might be weaker than you. So that's why I said, got to have them, in my opinion, and from this experiment, have a multifaceted approach. Don't always be mean to your haters. Don't always be nice. Don't always ignore. Don't always reply. You know, it's like the art of war. Be a little unpredictable. There's a power in some unpredictability. So it's kind of like, uh, I haven't read that book recently, but The 48 Laws of Power. Uh, what else do I want to talk about? My jet lag got me up at all kinds of crazy times. Yeah, somebody wrote, Ty, you've been doubling down on haters lately, and it's the best thing on the internet. Kating Gerlach says, I had done a post about uh, that you should spend more on education uh, on self-improvement than entertainment. And he said, says the guy with million-dollar cars and indoor pools. And I wrote back, Kaden, you don't read very well. I spent, said spend more on self-improvement than entertainment. Didn't say you couldn't enjoy life. So some of these roasts aren't too bad. A few people I roasted worse than that. Here's one. You know this thing about self-improvement? Zombie GRN on Instagram said, self-improvement is free. If you're spending money on self-improvement, then you're doing something wrong. That 100K a month Ty spends could help so many people in need instead of using it to make an ego bigger. Because I had said that I spend over 100 grand a month on mentors, coaches, and traders. I said, zombie GRN, that's complete BS. Self-improvement is not free. Are you saying the author of a book shouldn't be paid? That a professor in university shouldn't be paid? It's a nonprofit. People's logic is horrible. Here's one somebody wrote You're a good guy, Ty, but I, what I don't understand is why you are boasting about your money. It's just narcissistic. I said, I'm not boasting, I'm stating a fact. And then I put a caption. I said, 50 years ago, people used to see someone successful and admire them. Now they tear them down. Are we communists now? I think that's a big problem in the world. The world's become so narcissistic that when it sees other people succeeding, it immediately wants to drag them down. Instead, you know, 50 years ago, you see somebody drive by in a nice car, you go, wow, what do I have to do to be like that? Like Will Smith in The Pursuit of Happiness. When he saw somebody drive a nicer car, he said, what do you do? You know, that's that famous iconic line. What do you do? He wanted to learn, and that's how he took himself and his son from homelessness. <clears throat> Here's one. Jamie Shore said, Ty, if you were so intelligent as you say you are, you wouldn't be pretending as hard as you do. I said, Jamie Shore, I'm intelligent enough to get you to follow me. Notice I don't follow you because he follows my Instagram to write that comment. Here's one. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. This guy... Snapchatted me. His name is this, this Sunraj. You retard. You do not know how to spell, but he spelled no wrong. So then he tried to correct it, and I said, "Haha, did you just try to correct my spelling? But you fucked up your own spelling. Take the L, bro. For those of you who don't know, take the L means take the loss." He wrote, actually wrote back, "Good heart, <laughs> kind of jolly." He wrote, "Ha ha ha." That's why I said sometimes when you roast people, it doesn't have to be, it can be mean in a fun way. I know that sounds impossible, but it's not, it really isn't. There's a cool one. I'm just going through my Twitter. Ty, 
I joined your SMMA course and put this into practice and I've made $100,000. I live in La Jolla. That's not bad. Sometimes you can get clients to pay. I wouldn't say that's a normal, but I'm glad she's getting that results. I've been working on uh, also a verification program because I get so many people writing me testimonials. I want to make sure they're all real. So I've decided I built my 300 group where I'm going to take 300 people, have them fly them in, have my lawyers verify their results. So far, it's amazing. I flew, started flying people in and got another guy, Jose from Washington, D.C. I think he's making 35 grand a month in the social media marketing agency. It's kind of cool. Yeah, Jaden Gross. I've got a video on Instagram, uh, YouTube. Came in. He's making seven. He was making seventeen grand after two months in the program. Now he's making nineteen thousand. He's a twenty-one-year-old college dropout from Chicago. Smart kid. Last thing, you know, this whole inauguration thing. I see these massive amount of protests, and I think it's fine to protest. I do. I think that's part of what you know a healthy democracy has. But I always think you should play the devil's advocate. Any idea you hold in your head, it's the mark of a refined and intelligent person to be able to always play the devil advocate. So let me play both devil advocates here for all of you who either want to protest or, or think the protest shouldn't happen. Side one, in favor of the protesters. Like I said, in a healthy democracy, you will have people protesting. I think they just keep it as simple as that. On the flip side, the devil's advocate, should you protest and use your energy on things that have a low chance of making a difference versus something you know would have an immediate impact and help other people? For example, somebody who's going to fly all the way from across the country, take the time, take the money, Go all the way, walk around outside of the White House or or outside of D.C., the inauguration. Trump's going to be president. The protests will not, cannot legally stop him from being. So it's not going to get a result. What about taking that same time, that same money, and going and volunteering at a soup kitchen or a burn ward where children, you know, have been burned in fires and cheering them up or donating money because that definitely gives a positive result. So like I said, there's a devil advocate side that makes sense to everything and you should think deeply in your actions. Charlie Munger, the billionaire business partner of Warren Buffett says, shouldn't have any opinion unless you can argue the other side better than the other side. So I hope this has been a helpful episode. Talked about a lot of stuff. Main takeaways, one, two, three. Number one, stay cutting edge or else nothing's guaranteed financially. That's just number one is important. Number two, the response you have to people who attack you should be varied. Sometimes you should ignore. Sometimes you should reply seriously. Sometimes you should make fun of them. All right? Be a little unpredictable. And last but not least, Always consider the other side and argue it well. It will make you a more well-rounded person. It will make you smarter, make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. So until next episode, by the way, I'm giving away free cars. I'm giving away seven. Best way to win, increase your chances, 
follow all my social media. I would start with Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube. And then, like I said, now my Twitter's become very popular and Facebook. They're all under my name, just at Ty Lopez. And uh, follow them. That's all you have to do to enter to win. I pick a random winner. Or I'm picking these people. Now it's starting to spread. At first, people were cynical. But, you know, I've been getting white cars since April of last year. So now people start to see the videos of people picking up the keys. You get a choice between a Mustang, Camaro, all that. So the more my social media you follow, the better chance you have to win. So no purchase required. So go check that out. If you don't want the car, you can win it and give it to someone else. <laughs> someone always wants a car. Always needs a car. Okay, talk to you soon. If you want the chance to enter into one of my free giveaways, here's all you have to do. Number one, subscribe to my podcast. And then secondly, leave an honest review of my podcast. What do you think of it? All right, I pick random reviewers to win either an iPhone 7, a GoPro Black, a MacBook Air, iPad, Kindle, and then I've been doing these uh, once a month free car giveaways, giving away a Mustang or Camaro to one random social media follower, podcast followers are entered into that too. So you'll get your free chance to enter. Just leave an honest review and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. All right. I hope you win one of the giveaways. Talk to you soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever it is you like to listen so that you don't miss out on any new episodes as they come out.